Hey everybody, this is Kevin Kautzman with the podcast Get This. It's the show about things people love. And I'm coming to you from the Corona Bunker in upstate Manhattan on March 29th in the foul year of our Lord 2020. What a year. I'm joined by new friend of the show, Tom Bezos. And Tom, how are you today? Uh, I'm actually doing quite fantastic, Kevin. Thank yeah. you so much for asking. And thanks so much for having me on, man. It's All right. uh, It's been a minute since I've had the opportunity to kind of air it out with somebody in a recorded fashion. And I really enjoy it when I get a chance to. So uh, thanks for you know asking me to come on. Yeah, let's air it out. Let's throw the ball around. So this All is right. the show about things people love. So Tom, what is it you love? What is it you want to talk about th- uh, today on the show? Uh, I, dude, <laughs> I love so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, there's so, so many things to love. Um, you know, you know me pretty well. We've been following each other on Twitter for quite some time, right? How yeah. Long has it been? Yeah. We're Twitter pals. Yeah. A couple yeah, years. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I really appreciate your content, Kev. And I want to thank you very much for using your time and talents to create content into the world that is helping expand people's experience here. You know, I, think it's um, a really important thing when somebody with a perspective like yours is able to connect with other people and, um, you know, share that perspective to a larger audience. Because, of course, perspective creates our reality. And every time we get a chance to expand it, it's, you know, it's really good. So your work's important, man. And I really appreciate you doing it. Yeah. And of course, we were introduced. Thank you. You're you, you get it. I really appreciate that. Yeah. This show is meant to be kind of uh, a light in the dark, right? Uh, things are things yeah. can be pretty negative. Uh, I dwell in negativity uh, far too often. So this is kind of uh, a lever against that. Um, and of course, we sure. yeah, and of course, we know each other, I think, through Kirsten English, through Peniel, the great Peniel Collada, who does all of the psychedelic portraits for this show. I think she sure. initially introduced us. Yeah, she's one of the most amazing human beings that I've I've ever had a chance to encounter. And I've never gotten a chance to meet her in person. But um, her art adorns my walls. Every room that I live in has a piece of hers. And um I just, uh, it's an amazing thing to know somebody like that, mm. to know somebody that's un- as unbelievably talented and creative, who is as courageous and fearless to like just create and, um, you know, live life very presently. Uh, she's been, you know, a tremendous friend from afar. And I definitely feel a lot of remiss because I probably haven't responded, but yeah, I, I don't like to interact with like the mail and stuff. I find it to be old school, but I, she <laughs> sent me so many amazing, amazing things. And I'm just so grateful and appreciative to know her and anybody that doesn't know her should go check out her stuff. And, uh, anybody that, uh, doesn't, um, have like something from her already, uh, because she's so generous, should go and buy something from her Etsy store um, for what is probably a ridiculously low price because she undervalues her work. But and you know, get, get her stuff. That's a great call, fantastic. And she's Peniel Colada on Twitter. There's a link to her from the Get This website, getthispodcast.com. And we just last week decided that this show is going to be donation based. And if you subscribe at any level or donate one time thirty dollars or more, she will. Do a psychedelic portrait for you if you want. Uh, so check that out. So you go, yeah, getthispodcast.com. She's amazing. She's yeah. so trippy. Her stuff is so trippy. It's so um, cool. I mean, it's just, and, and yeah. this is, we're really nailing, you know, we're really getting right at the kind of culture that that we share in terms of the internet, uh, psychedelics. And of course, you're, 
you're famous for your your float business. Yeah, I I mean famous to some, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's something that I love. If we're if, you know if we're talking about things that we love, uh, floating or sensory deprivation. Um, it's the closest thing that I've been able to find to the psychedelic experience that I can present to the people of the world without, um, potentially putting myself in a cage. Um, right. and right. it's been by far the most rewarding and wonderful experience of my life to create and design and build what, you know, some people might argue is the world's finest float center. Um, you know, we have created and built the world's four largest floating pools or sensory deprivation environments, um, reimagining a practice that was initially invented in Harvard in 1954, hmm. but it's never really taken off. And it's, it's so amazing, you know, um, and I, through the examination of the process and the practice and what's currently at play, I realized that it's always been about the presentation. Hmm. Um, so about five years ago, after a very high dose psychedelic experience, <laughs> psychedelically informed experience, um, you know, I, I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to have the opportunity to kind of create these, you know, this new imagining of, of this of this thing and then put it out to the world. And it's been incredibly well received. We floated. We've introduced 35,000 people to the practice of floating or sensory deprivation over the last five years. And that, that's, that's amazing. amazing. That is yeah, amazing. So amazing. So amazing. So I can't wait to have you down. I know uh, that yeah. you've been talking a lot about like uh, getting together and I feel super remiss because we initially touched base about doing a podcast in September. Um, you can come down and float and talk and we should still do that once this pandemic that yeah. we find ourselves in. Absolutely. Over. I was going to say, so Kirsten was an early guest on the show and she mentioned floating and I said, ah, I'll go, you know, I'll go to, to Tom center. And of course we haven't made it happen yet, but that's, that's definitely something that I've overlooked and, and I'll, we'll certainly try to make it happen here soon. Obviously we're, we're going through the the time of Corona, so it won't happen anytime soon, but, uh, and, and pre precisely where are you? You're, you're in New Jersey near Phil uh, yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah. It's in South Jersey, uh, right outside of Philadelphia. Okay. It's a small town called, not small town, it's Marlton, New Jersey. You know, there's 200,000 people within 10 miles of my center, you mm. know. Um, and uh, yeah, the important kids, if you start a business, do your demographic homework. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because dude, it's great, you know, it's just a great place to be, ah, like, gotcha. you know, right outside of Philadelphia. It's 20 minutes outside of Philadelphia, just uh, to the east of Philly. So, yeah, yeah. It's good to be by a major hub, but also be, you know, good to be out just a little bit. Um, so as soon as you rush back out into the world, you're not, you know, totally, totally smothered or suffocated by all sorts of people. Yeah, I never need an excuse to visit Philadelphia. I'm a bit of a history buff. <laughs> I love Philly. It's just mm -hmm. wonderful. Uh, mm -hmm. we are preparing a move to, to Minnesota, to the St. Paul, my fiance and I, uh, we have family there and, and we're expecting, so that's going to be a big change, but you know, it's a, it's a flight away. It's pretty easy to, uh, to get to Philly. Um, great town. Congratulations. Yeah. When, uh, when are you planning on that happening? Is uh, this next thing? month in theory, next month. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah. there might not be, a, there might. You might not be going, huh? Well, I mean, it remains to be seen. I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to go either way. Uh, it's something that we've been planning for a while. Uh, we already have a place lined up back there. So, but this is this is a crazy time right now. Corona is making everything crazy. Are you are you open? Is the is the float no. center open? Yeah, no, no I right? closed our, I closed our business, and um, it's not that I didn't think that we could stay open in some capacity 
that was, uh, you know, safe for us, safe for our guests. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure. And we offer like infrared sauna too, which a lot of, there's been a lot of articles and potential research showing that high heat um, is, you know, problematic for the replication of the virus. Mm. And if you're in a sauna breathing in hot air, you know, it creates conditions unfavorable for Corona to sort of replicate. Um, So there's certain things that we have that could be of benefit to uh, the public during this time. But um, you know, the governor definitely of New Jersey has uh, closed all, you know, ordered the mm-hmm. closure of all non-essential retail businesses. Yeah, sure. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's probably the right right thing to do. Yeah. And uh, to be honest with you, having a little break, because as a business owner, you don't get any breaks. You sure. know, it's just right. like you're always on. You all, you're, and for the last five years, I've been running this. So it's been kind of like a little vacation every day running a float center you talk to 20 or 30 people and that's Mm. unbelievable it's so great Mm. but um it's nice to take some time and not not see too many other humans you know yeah the reactions to this have been varied i have i have one very close friend uh, who we write together and she's just loving it she she Mm -hmm. is you know she's in london her her roommate uh her her housemate uh is staying with her boyfriend so she finally has a place to herself and she's just loving it. She's eating it up. So yeah. it's not yeah, all it's bad. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. How are you and your, uh, you know, better half uh, handling it as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's, you know, we have a little studio apartment here in Manhattan, so there's not a lot of room. And Ooh. slowly things are being kind of taking, taken away piece by piece. So one of the things I was doing to kind of keep myself together and I'm still doing it. I'm taking a couple of walks through the park uh, here mm-hmm. every day. I don't know if you know the area, Washington Heights, yep. up, up by the cloisters. Sure. Yeah, uh, beautiful area. But the weather's not great. And I was I was treating myself to a slice of high-quality New York pizza, a slice of pizza mm-hmm. every day as a little treat. And, uh, you know, one day last week, they're like, we're not doing slices anymore. And it's just like, oh, just keep, keep, you know, digging the, the, you know, the dagger in further, just little things to just make you go, oh no, how is this? Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, And it's such, yeah, such a bonkers time. Well, I want to, I want to ask you uh, questions about your experience floating. When did you first do, do it? And I mean, and maybe just for, for those who don't know, can you just give us a a real quick one-on-one overview of, of what this is? Uh, flotation therapy or sensory deprivation is the practice of uh, allowing a human to float completely effortlessly and weightlessly in a tank, pod, pool, or tub, you know, some a body of water uh, that has a significantly high ratio of pharmaceutical-grade Epsom salt um, to the water. So in our pools, which are around, our smaller ones are uh, six feet wide by nine to 10 feet long and 14 inches deep, we dissolve about 2,500 pounds of pharmaceutical grade Epsom salt into that water, creating about 300 gallons of solution. Um, each molecule of water has eight molecules of this, uh, salt bonded to it. So it creates a density that makes a human being behave like an ice cube being dropped into a glass, you know, it just floats up to the surface. Mm. The cool thing about that is it immediately relieves all the pressure from all the joints. Since it's Epsom salt, it reduces swelling and inflammation throughout the entire body. And then if the user wishes it, they can turn off the lights in the chamber. They can turn off the sound. 
and they're floating perfectly weightlessly in perfect body temperature water with no sensory input. Uh, and this really lets the central nervous system reset in a deep and meaningful way, right? Um, all day long, you're processing data, uh, you know, 10 million bits of data per second through the eyes and the ears. Um, you know, every time you nod your head, it's probably a teraflop of physics computations and every single muscle and nerve in your whole body fires to help you keep your vertical orientation. Otherwise, we'd just be falling down all the time. So removing all that input and the need to do work allows your central nervous system to reduce the amount of stress hormone that it's producing, mm. uh, which is cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and adrenaline. And that helps reduce muscle tension. It helps improve quality of sleep, which in and of itself also improves a whole host of um, things about the human function. Um, it's really great for your skin. Um, and it's been clinically shown to reduce symptoms of anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and insomnia. Wow. You've got your pitch down. You know, your that stuff. Good, right? that was great. I love this, man. I Fantastic. love this. So, yeah. I love it so much because when I, I, I'll see a, a plumber who is out there digging ditches, walk into my Zen space full of crystals, psychedelic, you know, normally would have nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I put him in a floating pool and at 60 minutes later he comes out and it is the most relaxed he's been in, in 10 years. Sometimes even guys like that will be crying because wow. of the relief of the pain, right? Fibromyalgia, arthritis, um, any sort of inflammation related pain and most pain is inflammation related. So mm. it's just powerful, dude. It's powerful. Everybody should do it. Everybody should do it at least three times because it's like you do it once when you take the training wheels off of a bike. Um, sometimes you fall over and you skin, skin your knee. And if that was the end of it, that was the end of it. It certainly won't be as unpleasant as a skinned knee, but you may accidentally get salt water in your eye, which will burn a little bit. Mm. And, you know, that's kind of physical motion and movement stuff that you can get under control and, you know, uh, you know, you get it, you get to the point where you know what you're doing and then you can have really deep and sort of profound experiences that feel releasing, relaxing, rejuvenating. It's like a reset. How frequently do you do it yourself? Uh, that's a great question to ask there, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've I've been on about a once or twice a month schedule for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I have been uh, surrounding myself with people though recently who are driving me to become uh, you know more consistent with my practice of floating. Mm. I've been using my infrared sauna a lot consistently, which is like you know three three to four times a week. I try to do that, um, and that also reduces anxiety, depression. Um, uh, stress hormone, muscle tension, and it's you know really good for the immune system and immune function, and uh, overall keeps me feeling pretty fantastic. Uh, so much that I don't like feel the need to urgently float, but um, it definitely is uh, you know something that I'm glad that I do once I do. Yeah, I'm sold. Uh, it's just a question of when, uh, mm. and I would love for this to be the the excuse to go back to Philadelphia at some juncture here. Yeah, man, come Very over. Cool. I've, got a, I've got a great spot over here in South Jersey. Well, you know, I would be happy to host you for a couple of days, and we can explore floating and sauna and kind of um, you know some of the things that I do around here. Hey, that's really generous. I really appreciate that. I love a good sauna, and the building that we're moving into in St. Paul has one in the building, so I I am very excited about that. Yeah. Uh, that's one of those things you live in New York, 
like I have for the past six or seven years. And you, you, um, you surrender a lot of conveniences and a lot of niceties like that. So it is actually going to kind of be nice to get out and, and have access to that. It's, it is very, um, yeah, therapeutic is the word. So therapeutic. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that, you know, big upgrade and make sure that you take the most advantage of it as you, as you possibly can. You know? Yeah. Tom. So, uh, where can people find you online? Where can people find the the center and uh, and then your own personal stuff? We might as well put that out there. Sure. Uh, so f- uh, my float uh, center is called Float SNJ, as in Southern New Jersey. It's in Marlton, New Jersey. Um, I uh, you know it's Float SNJ on Twitter and Instagram and floatsnj.com. You know all that stuff. Um, and uh, you know my. Instagram, I go by Floating McKenna. Uh, a <laughs> yeah, nod I like to that. Terrence McKenna. Yeah, yeah the man, the great yeah. one, the great yeah. one. And uh, you know, um, so I'm around. Peanautic on Twitter, Peanautic Express, but it's like sort of long and storied. I don't use it as much as I used to. I will. Uh, I'll put these links in the show notes at getthispodcast.com. I'm looking at the website now, and uh, your passion for this really comes comes through. Uh, I did want to ask. When you first did this, what was your first experience with this? Where was it, and uh, you know, how did you react? Well, I'm gonna because I'm gonna be honest about my experience. I'm not gonna name the place, but okay. I'm gonna tell you it was in North Jersey. Um, I sort of knew that I was going to open a float center before I even had my first float. Mm. Uh, hmm. To be honest with you, hmm. uh, it's a very you know, it's an interesting story. Maybe we'll get into that after your float when you when you come in when you come down. All right. But um, I went up to this place, and my experience surrounding the float was really was not that great. Mm. And I think that this is also part of the problem in the industry is that the people that are drawn to it, you know, may not also have that sense of urgency to, you know, run their businesses in a way that they understand how important experience sort of is, you know. Mm. Um, but I walked in and there was a half eaten pizza and an open box and it was floating in pods, which were not really functionally conducive. There was a lot of light leaking into the pod. There was a lot of like, it was cold. There was sound, uh, no real sound blockage, but with all of these things that were, you know, problematic, I still had an amazing experience because, you know, I, I let go. Mm. I was in the pod and I was floating. And and even though all of this stuff went wrong around the initial presentation, probably just because I was hypersensitive to it. Sure. I, I still felt amazing. And it felt when I got out of the when I got out of the pod even after going through a very difficult shower experience where there were 73 knobs and I couldn't figure out how to just get the water on warm, you know, <laughs> and the sprayers everywhere, nothing yeah. late. It was just terrible. And, um, I don't know, man, like I, I was looking in the mirror afterwards and I was like, dude, I feel like I'm tripping a little bit. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And I knew I was there and, and you know, that is a therapeutic experience that reset, mm. that feeling where people are touching, um, you know, a feeling outside of their normal set, their normal selves, because that really, you know, helps you to, to not get bored with the, 
you know, thing that we're doing every day, this existence and this reality that we're going through on a daily basis. Yeah, this is uh, reminded me of a book that I once read. Uh, my first exposure to this idea was when I was in university, I got really into Gurdjieff and E.J. Gold mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, John Lilly. I think yeah, wrote a book with, I think E.J. Gold and John Lilly, Lilly did it together called Tanks for the Memories. And it was about mm -hmm. the float tank. Yeah. Uh, I recall, yeah, I, I recall reading that many, many years ago um, and kind of squirreling it away. And then, of course, uh, Rogan picked up on it some years ago and some somewhat mainlined it, right? He, he right. made it more of a sort of a household, um, you know, people know what it is now, thanks to Rogan. Um, yeah, so... It sounds like you were having this this experience and kind of cataloging how you would you would do it differently, uh, and then how you know how long in terms of setting up a, a float center for people. So how long between your first experience um, and then that that psychedelic experience you had? How, how long was it um, between that you know and 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 then you're starting the center? I I want to first you know say how profoundly important Rogan was in this whole thing because I first heard about floating from Rogan seven, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, without Joe Rogan, the float center wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be who I was. He introduced me to Terrence McKenna. He introduced me to the most important people, you know, in, in my uh, cognitive evolution. And uh, he, you know, he really, I, you know, I'm unbelievably grateful for that man. He's and, he's impacted a lot of people, and obviously there's it, there's some ridiculous controversy. But I think uh, you know, on balance, the the amount of good and positivity that he's brought uh, into the world for people uh, can't be can't be discounted. His popularity isn't a fluke. It's really an unbelievable thing that that you know that he has done, and uh, you know, I don't know, man. I'm just like super super grateful for for his existence in the world and all, you know, all everything that, everything that he's brought out of that. Absolutely. I'm a yeah. huge fan of stand-up comedy, huge lover of stand-up and I've yet to see him, but at some juncture, I'm sure that's going to happen. The comedy store right now is just an absolute, uh, row of, ki of killers. They're incredible. I mean, just the, an average night at the comedy store in LA right now, you're going to see just incredible comedians. I mean, and, and it's really had this renaissance. It's, it's just so wonderful. Uh, and obviously he's a big part of that. That guy's uh, touching a lot of different sectors of American life and consciousness. The DMT thing too, alone, like that alone, the, the awakening of that has been uh, remarkable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, the biggest takeaway for me from him that I'm like working on in myself is that like he really does not, he is not shy in any way, shape, or form about throwing shine anywhere that he thinks it's deserved, mm -hmm. and and he, you know, and he never has any fear around like a uh, lack sort of mindset that would, you know, cause like you to be more of a, you know, reserved about that or you mm. know, very uplifting. But yeah, um, for sure, very positive, yeah, very cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. And so you got you first heard about the the float tank through him. Yeah. So yeah. you know, first heard about floating from him. First heard about uh, my first Joe Rogan podcast that I heard was like him and Aubrey Marcus when Aubrey was talking about his first DMT trip mm -hmm. or his first ayahuasca trip, and that I, I was just like, what? Like, what people were having? What kind of experience? I had never been yeah. like exposed to a description like that, and I went on a rabbit, you know, a rabbit hole. Uh, they mentioned Terrence in that episode. Found started listening to Terrence. So I was like, mm. what? Like, what is going on in the world? What experience am I not having here? Right. Get the fuck out of here. So, you know, uh, 
ordered, you know, I don't know, like uh, may or may not have gotten my hands on some stuff like very shortly thereafter. And it was, uh, you know, I just was like, oh, okay. There's so much more to life and I needed it as a medicine to show me that the, like, that the trauma that I had been informed by my whole life was not real and it was not the totality of, like, the, ex- of the experience. So, Absolutely. You know, and that yes. was beautiful. So, uh, you know, I, I was playing around with that stuff for um, six months, doing it really, like, six, seven, eight months, doing it really intentionally, like, alone, by myself, silent darkness. And, um, it, you know, just the insight informed from that helped me quit smoking cigarettes helped me, you know, clean up my diet helped me stop drinking alcohol from a toxicology standpoint, Mm -hmm. you know, return on investment. I would just rather keep it herbal. Um, and then, uh, one evening deep in session, I was like, what, what am I supposed to do with myself, man? Mm -hmm. You know, cause I was working in finance. I was, you know, living the normal sort of like corporate life. I went into an office and stuff like that. It was just like, you know, and then, it was people talk about getting like visions and stuff and that's really what it was it was just kind of open open a you know a float center might be a good thing to do to bring yeah. this out into the world right if, if floating is what you think it is and and then i sort of had this download i woke up the next morning i made an appointment the same day at that float center i drove two and a half hours up to go to it hmm. uh had that experience came home um and had the business plan written in like two or three days had all the financial projections done four or five days after that and and float opens its doors about a year and a half later wild now how tricky was it i guess to market to the community there to to, to raise awareness i mean it's a bit well, of a yeah it's yeah. a bit of a stretch right well, there was not, there had been a float center in that area in the 80s. Okay. So there was a very small sort of like latent market. Um, I'm pretty good on like social media. So I, like on Facebook, I did a pretty great job of sort of like, hey, this new experience is coming to this area. Um, and it's fantastic for these kind of things. And we're doing it differently than it's ever been done before. Um which has been weird in the past and uh you know what most people what your traditional person that you want to get floating would think is weird um yeah and 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 uh we did a fantastic pre-sale deal three floats for 99 dollars, and people got it and they came and they had such a great experience that it spread like wildfire Hmm. And now there are more float tanks within 10 miles of my facility than anywhere else in the world because it created such a buzz in South Jersey that, you know, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six float centers opened up just right around me just because everybody was talking about, it, you know, um, but they missed the mark. They did it the old fashioned way. And it would have been amazing if they had done it like, you know, if we would sort of done it together because then yeah, I think that people are still going in and having experiences in that pod or, you know, in, you know, less than thought out environments mm. and that are making them go, oh, no, this floating thing's weird. Mm. You know? Right. Well, it seems, but, yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's good that there's more places. Yeah. Well, it seems to me what you've done based on what I'm, what I'm seeing here is, you know, you've created a kind of a community center here as well. You have classes yeah. and 
you must, of course, have regulars. It's somewhat subscription-based. For sure. Uh, I imagine you've you've met some fascinating people. I like your description of the plumber. Uh, people. Is there? But I also float yeah. the neurologists. You know, I right. floated an engineer for uh, SpaceX. That yeah. I I was thrilled to be able to say that I got him weightless before Elon did. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, yeah. right? So, yeah. And are you? Do you run this solely on your own, or do you? No, do you, I mean I have staff. You know? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's but the, yeah, yeah, like it's my it's my baby, it's my project, and like mm-hmm. I make all the decisions there yeah. as of right now. Well, and Tom, where where are you originally from? Hmm. Southwest Philadelphia, actually. Okay. Which is kind of a rough and tumble neighborhood for people that know it, but <laughs> um, it was also kind of idyllic because I grew up right around a nature preserve, and that's kind of something that still informs my life. I like to deeply connect with nature as much as I possibly can. Right. That's interesting. How how does that affect your you know how does that that speak to the the sort of float experience? It's interesting. Uh, we try to bring the natural world into the presentation of our pools. Mm. You now, like um, we all, all of our pools are thematically different because I don't mm-hmm. like to build the same thing time and time again. Yeah. We have one that we call the galaxy. It's the most psychedelic presentation. It's an all black room. There's sparkle everywhere. You know, fiber optic <laughs> star fields. It's like you're really tripping out in the space. Yeah. Um, uh, we have one that's called the grotto. Grotto means underwater cave. It's very grounding. There's a lot of earth tones and neutral colors and things like that. We have one called the water world. Uh, it's a very beachy presentation. And we did something in there that's never been done before to the best of my knowledge. We recently put a high definition video projector in that pool, um, which is sort of the antithesis of what sensory deprivation is about initial is what you would initially think. But if, you know, um, if I can fly, if I can take somebody that is scared to be alone with themselves in silent darkness and put them on a tropical beach watching the sunset with the waves roll in, and then when the sunset, the lights go out, they're already relaxed and separated from their life, and they can get a much better float in. We're finding this is one of those scenarios where if you're not able to to get to Costa Rica or you're right, not a, right. right, you can you can be 20 minutes from Philadelphia and have something restorative and. That has a, that has a lot of value. Yeah, we can. We've flown people to where they had their honeymoon while they're you know relaxing in a therapeutic environment. It's really amazing. Hmm, that's so interesting. What do you fundamentally see is your mission with all of this? Because you're clear, you're you're clearly driven to share this experience with people. Is there some sort of uh, prime moving sense? around this for you there must yeah my my goal here is to you know use some some of my life's time to figure out the way that i can make um floating as widely uh, as uh, versatile as it needs to be to be widely accepted as a uh practice that is part of people's lives i think 50 to 70 percent of people could identify with floating if it was presented to them appropriately and they were able to access it easily. Um, and I think that would change the world. You think it would, it, it would change the world? Would it make yeah, the world the entire, more peaceful? Yeah, and, and yeah, if, 70, yeah. if 50% of the people yeah. were having miniature psychedelic experiences once a month that mm-hmm. made their bodies and minds feel better yeah. and they were less snappy and they were, you know, less uh, quick to react, it just like it would, it would trickle out infinitely in an mm-hmm. unbelievable way. That's great. Yeah. That's a, an objectively cool mission that you're on there. And, uh, 
have you made friends through the the center and things? Have you connected with uh, you know with some of your clients in a, in, a, in a sort of a deeper way? Yeah, man, I definitely have actually. Um, you know the uh, the the people that I meet there have are self selected mm. to you know the same the type of experience that my mind likes to create, and they've become my best friends. And you know, uh, I I met I met the girl that I'm probably going to marry through this center. Does she know that? Yeah, she knows it. <laughs> Just, she does yeah. now. <laughs> no, she, yeah, she That's knows. great, man. So uh, I, it's just like an interesting, it's an interesting thing how if you let yourself be as authentic as you possibly can be in the world, mm. then that beacon, and shine as brightly as you possibly can in that capacity, that beacon will draw to you the people and experiences that are going to be nurturing for your soul and, uh, you know, fuel for your growth and development. Absolutely. What is that about, you know, it's such a, um, almost a cliche, right? But it's one of the deepest truths of life. Uh, you get what you put out there to a degree, to a very large degree. I think it's, I think it's to a very large degree. It might be to the entirety of the degree if we were able to really see it. Mm. But, um, you know, to the best of my, from my experience in the world, um, which is, you know, just probably as flawed, as probably as, uh, valid as the experience of a glass of orange juice. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you got that one. I do. That's quite fun. That's quite funny. (laughs) So, uh, I think that the world is a manifestation, a collective manifestation of all of our minds, mm-hmm. and that uh, the mind um, not only acts as the reducing valve of consciousness, as Albert Huxley supposed, but mm. is a sender and receiver, as many incredibly enlightened and forward-thinking people would agree it is, and that our thoughts, our thoughts are electromagnetic ways that are measurable Mm -hmm. and thereby can uh have some sort of or do have some sort of effect on the uh presentation of your personal physical reality Mm. that's a very succinct way of putting it i i respect that i'm looking at uh float centers right now in saint paul minnesota and i had no idea that there were so many i mean the, the this has really come a long way uh I, I doubt back in the day, 20 years ago, when I was at university there, I don't think that there even would have been a center. There may have been, but I, I don't know. I, I, John Lilly, it turns out, was originally from St. Paul. I didn't know that. I didn't uh, know that either, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he got around, obviously, but he, he came from a pretty wealthy family in, in St. Paul. Um, you know what you were just saying uh, there? I, I think we should get back to, to Lilly and company here in a minute, but what, what you were just saying about consciousness uh, reminds me of that great um, disinfo speech, uh, that, um, Grant Morrison gave. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, uh, it's this classic about 45 minutes long. He talks about, uh, sigil magic very famously. And, uh, it's just such an incredible speech he gives about Crowley and, um, uh, these other folks and how 
everybody kind of talks about it, but nobody does it. And then he claims he started to do what they were su- suggesting and that it actually works. And he was able to sort of hack into uh, the, the, the root of reality and, and begin to affect these sort of synchronistic changes um, around the time he was working on the Invisibles comic. Right. Uh, and it, of course, this all sounds, <laughs> I mean, we're very, this is obviously very psychedelic people. That word has a bit of a, a bit of a sound to it to certain people, I'm sure. Uh, you mentioned that this experience can be somewhat psychedelic. So I guess explain that to me. I mean, is it a case where you shut everything else off and then the, the brain just starts to fire in a different direction? You know, oh, man, the, yeah. the breadth of experience capable within the floating pool is wide and buried. Mm. The post-float glow uh, that they refer to Mm. is reminiscent of the post-psychedelic glow in that the perspective is uh, you are consciously processing more of your external reality, satiating more of your mind's, you know, need, I suppose. Um, So there's less chatter and you are significantly more present in the moment. Hmm. Hmm. I can't wait to try it. I'm very excited. That's good. That's definitely going to be something I'm, I have to do. The, yeah, by uh, removing all that yeah. input and then bringing that input back, you become significantly more attuned to the spectrum of you know input processing. Fascinating. The uh, if people want to find a center to do this in their area, what do you recommend they do and, and what makes a good float center? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm sure that there, I'm sure that there's some out there, but I, you know, I don't really know. Cause I see what we do while they call it floating. Hmm. It would be like, um, saying that you know a formula one car driving and a 1984 tourist driving are the same you know are the same thing sure i understand not to use a race car because you know we're talking about relaxing but i like i you know i i don't know you know look people people know if you look at reviews yeah please read reviews right people know you know um what's good and what's not. I would look for a place that has cabins because I think you'll have a more comfortable float with cabins personally, but there's plenty of people that love pods. Um, I would look for a place that feels homey Mm -hmm. because uh, I don't think that the Apple store vibe is conducive to (laughs) relaxing, but that's just me. You know, there's, uh, there's every, every different person has every different perspective and some people are, you know, big, you know, are into that and they feel more comfortable in a modern setting, you know, but I feel like, um, somebody that is presenting their center, like a home is going to create significantly more space for you to be comfortable than somebody that is presenting their float center, like, um, a transactional retail establishment. Right. Right. I I can kind of feel what you're saying there. I guess, you know, you'll know it when you find it. I had no idea that this was so widespread. I thought that it was still a little more uh, of a niche, but clearly there's demand for it. Uh, yeah, wonderful. How many are are operating in uh, in your area now? Like six uh, in wow. my area. Like mm-hmm. let's say we do twenty uh, 15, 15 miles. 
Uh, I've got 12 or 14, 12, 12 to 14. Okay. If I'm, we expand to hmm. 30 miles, I've got, uh, you know, uh, 16 to 20. Unreal. I had no idea. I would have assumed that it was, was far less than that. There's something to it. So if somebody wants to go and do this, uh, what's a good idea in terms of preparation? Let's say. Absolutely no caffeine the day of your float. Don't be like, ah, yeah, but I drink coffee and it doesn't affect me because mm-hmm. it will in the tank. Yep. You know, even if you don't think it does anything to you in the outside world, it will in the tank. Uh, I would definitely not shave the day of the float. Um, I would find yourself some breath work to do in the tank for if the mind becomes slightly unruly. Uh, Wim Hof method is great uh, while floating. It's super fun uh, for me. Um, what else? That's about it. You know, yeah, yeah. just uh, just be. Don't, you know, just be, it's about letting go. It's about, you know, the magic is in the surrender. It's not like, I'm going to get in this pool, I'm going to turn off the lights, and then I'm going to start to trip out, man. Like, that's not, <laughs> you know, that's not the deal. Some yeah. people do have visual hallucinations, you know, but, um, you know, it's uh, it's an experience that allows you to really connect with yourself deeply. Hmm. Well, we were talking briefly about the history of this. So you mentioned that it first um I guess it began at Harvard in the in the 50s. 1954, uh, John C. Lilly put together the first float tank in the basement of Harvard, um, using like you know government funding. He wanted to study what would happen to consciousness if you shut off all sensory input. You know, would the person just go to sleep? Would they shut down? Would they you know see stuff? Would they generate a different reality? You know, and and. He got out there with it, you know. Uh, he was experimenting with drugs that were legal at the time in the float tank, and um, you know, initially the research was good and everything was great. But uh, you know, towards the end, he was hooked up to a ketamine IV drip, taking two thousand mics of LSD, and going on sixteen-hour adventures through the cosmos. <laughs> he said that he could use the float tank like Willy Wonka's elevator and step out into the alternative realities where. You know, everything was exactly the same, but uh, in this reality, the only color that you could get a hat in was yellow. So every hat was yellow. And uh, he very well may have been having this experience within the realm of his own mind in a way that was as real and tangible as this experience that you and I are having right now. And for all we know, this experience that you and I are having right now is some mind-generated experience. Because when you're in a dream, a fully lucid dream, you can be fully there and fully tangible and not understand that you're not experiencing reality, you know? Mm. But, mm. It, you know, it could be the same. It could be the same. You don't know. There's no way to tell. Um, so I'm not going to dismiss it, but I certainly don't think that that's something that you should, you know, testify in front of Congress about or tell them <laughs> that you are, sure. are in touch with an alien species called the near-Earth coincidence control, you know, and, and uh, stuff like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now and that's exactly what, uh, the section I'm looking at co- yeah. coincidentally, I, I had forgotten. Coincidentally. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I had, uh, forgotten that Lily and company were so far out. It was Leary and Lily and, uh, you know, there's pictures of Lily with Terrence McKenna and like everybody, you know, everybody, it was this, this, that clip was doing, was doing the work. Wild stuff. And this generation has to pick up on some of that. That I'm glad that we are having this kind of psychedelic renaissance, and Rogan's been uh, spearheading that. And there's room for people to to be serious uh, people in life in this crazy society we inhabit, uh, and also to to be explorers of consciousness. It's almost your duty 
Well, it's a it's a, a, a you know a very large human rights violation that there are human beings, nonviolent human beings, who have never hurt anybody, mm-hmm. stolen anything, or harmed anybody in any way, behind bars, you know, locked in cages because they are choosing to experiment with uh, plants that manipulate your consciousness in a way that are therapeutically beneficial. It's an outrage. There are it's a lot like, of it really, yeah. is, it, it really it, is a violation, a tremendous, egregious violation. It is a human rights violation. It's it's sick, and it's about control, right? It's that that old uh, Bill Hicks thing, right? I don't. I think it's about fear. I yeah. think that you know, fear and control. It's it's yeah. hard. It's hard to keep somebody coming into their their job at eight o'clock after two or three DMT trips over the weekend have shown them the rainbow serpent of time. Uh, right, <laughs> you know, and you, you uh, the time you, knife, yes. yeah, yeah, exactly, right, 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 and you, and you know, the, yeah, the snake, uh, the the yep. snake that once you've seen the snake that Jim Morrison was singing about, you don't quite uh, look at a bank the same way, uh, <laughs> right? It's it's an itch, right? It's an interesting thing, right? But I, I, to be honest, I don't want to make the assumption that there's you know evil intent or repressive intent behind it necessarily because. You know, if you look at what the CIA was probably telling these people from the mm. results of MK Ultra, which is, you know, blindly and stupidly, uh, you know, delivering and administrating significantly large dose psychedelic experiences in ter- you know terrible set and settings designed mm-hmm. to create you know paranoia and fear, they just didn't know like what was required for the drug to have a good experience with people, and they were probably reporting ridiculous stories you know there was probably like the uh, you know this is this this will make people go nuts you don't want to give this to people you don't want to let just people have this you know and i can i can understand that fair enough yeah there's also such an influence of the pharmaceutical uh companies on on the culture it's just absolutely remarkable it is interesting to see that these these studies have uh, begun around uh using psilocybin and other other psychedelics uh as palliative care in um, hospice situations, end of life sure. situations, yeah, for and sure. easing people's anxieties, and now very serious scientists at I think it's Johns Hopkins and I think maybe at MIT they're doing really rigorous studies of these things, and they're finding out what college students have known all along. <laughs> this is yeah. this is good medicine. This is good for your brain. You're under yeah. this tr- this tremendous amount of pressure, and it just reminds you. Well, you're going to have a, a wide array of experiences, but personally. It's an invitation. It's uh, for me. I mean, it, it used to be about therapy, uh, kind of healing yourself, uh, having visions, seeing potential that you're not normally aware of because you're you're so distracted by other things, and then also seeing the world in a more childlike way, which right. is just and it's all rolled into one. Uh, and uh, I remember the first the first time i blasted off on on dmt up in rochester new york here with a with a buddy of mine and and uh my my then girlfriend my ex who's a still a very good friend of mine she had never really done anything like that and uh we you know we did our thing my friends very experienced with this he was playing in Icaro, uh the music and we had a candle and i had just a, a tremendous experience i put it down before uh tremendous experience but the very first thing that that my my friend said when we came out of it, she said, why doesn't everybody do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, and I bet, I bet that there's a, 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 probably a comparable feeling with the tank. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Thank you for, you know, thanks for bringing that up. And that's a beautiful way 
to describe it, man. I love that you called it an invitation mm. to all of those things. I think that's I think that's right on, man. Because you still have to do the work. Yes, it just will show you and potentially inspire you to do so. So you know, I uh, I appreciate your perspective on it, and it's just always refreshing to connect with somebody that sees it. Oh yeah, we're thanks so much for that. Yeah, we're on a very similar wavelength here. I love that quote uh, from from uh, Maynard uh, from Tool. He has that great quote. Let me let me find it right now about these things because obviously you know some people hear the hear the word you know they hear the phrase you know LSD and they they freak out right they've never you know to them it's like oh gosh you know yikes um, but it's not you know it's it's only as scary as you make it but he has this great quote Maynard from Tool he says. Uh, uh, the trick is to use the drugs once to get there and maybe spend the next 10 years trying to get back there without the drug. That's a, that's a fantastic quote. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. I, I agree. I agree that it's that, that you should try to replicate the positive things associated with the psychedelic experience in your life as organically as you can, as much as you can. But you know, I also will quote Terry and say <laughs> that, you know, what did he say? What he goes, he's like, people, uh, I'm, he goes, I would be appalled if I could do this on the natch, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah. that is not something, if, right. I, if all of a sudden I could start myself, you know, dissolving reality, like I do in the psychedelic experience to that degree, it would be, it would be terrifying. I love that there's a wall between it and me that I have to scale before it, you know, takes, takes me over. So yeah, there's, there's, there is a little bit of that. Absolutely. Right. You have to have this relationship with the, with the chemical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good old, uh, good old McKenna. What a hoot. I had forgotten about his connection with Lily, but of course they would have all kind of, uh, wrangled with each other. Yeah. I will say that you can have a pretty psychedelic experience if you do some like holotropic breath work. Have you ever messed around with that? Uh, I have not. Tell me do about some that. Wim Hof, do some Wim Hof breathing or um, uh, do some like, you know, just Google some holotropic breath work and get, get yourself a guided breath work thing. And you can have, you can have the, you know, a miniature or small scale, uh, very reminiscent of a DMT trip in 15 minutes, man. But, you know, wow. it's you got to commit to it. You got to, the, the body doesn't want it. The mm. mind doesn't want it. But if you can commit to the breath, then you can like, you can kind of get there, you know, in a way that's significant. Fascinating. I, yeah. you know, I've heard about, uh, Wim Hof, but I will look into that. That's interesting. So it's, it's this kind of breathing where you do, do you sort of, I guess, can you give me a brief introduction? Do you, do you breathe really quickly or are you trying to slow your breath down? Well, uh, most of the time it's very quickly like forced kind of breath work because if you're forcing a lot of oxygen into the lungs, the lungs actually are a big uh, generation point for DMT. Mm. So there's a lot of like DMT generated in the lung and the breathing process. So, um, you know, Wim Hof does something where he pretty much hyperventilates himself uh, 30 times and then does that four times over like 10 to 12 minutes or something. So, you know, you're going to want to take breaths that are fully in and then let them go. Don't push them out. Let them go. And it's like, <gasps> mm. 
and you want to do that 30 to 40 times somewhere where if you pass out or lay backwards, it's not going to be a problematic situation for you. But by, you know, 30 times, take a, take a little, um, pause between sessions and then do that two or three times. And by the third time, man, you are definitely like having some sort of an experience. I'll check that out. I'm looking yeah. for some things to shake things up right now because obviously life is very, very, very strange. And I like that we're making an evergreen episode here about the, the float tank. But maybe here in the, the final 10 minutes of the episode, we can talk just briefly about what is going on in terms yeah. of corona. You know, your float center is, is shut down right now because it can't be open. We're living in a, in a, new, a new age here. What are you what are you making of it? What's your what's your impression of what's happening? It certainly is an interesting thing. I don't know what sort of like impression that I have of it other than um, it's good to have some, uh, you know, mycology experience from a previous life in a back pocket because I know sterile procedure pretty well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, there's also times when people, um, uh, you know, overreact to things and. I don't, I don't necessarily think this is one of those times, mm. um, but, you know, my view is sometimes more, I don't know, larger scale, well, not mm. larger scale, but more pragmatic, right? There's 360,000 people born every day on the planet, mm-hmm. and only 150,000 people die every day on the planet. Mm. So my, my takeaway is that unless we... Uh, you know, curb or control our procre- our procreation, you know, our population via our procreation, then there's going to be some other factor that's going to control it for us mm. at some point along the yeah, way. Yeah, that's a little, I, I, I think I understand the take there. People are, people are living in this kind of hysteria. The, the fallout economically is going to be painful. Uh, as much as the, the thing itself, it is, it is a little frightening uh, and there's no point <laughs> pretending that it isn't. Uh, obviously we don't need to dwell in fear, but I also think it's probably healthy to talk about, uh, how strange it is as, as a time right now. It's just absolutely bonkers. Um, and I think we all kind of knew that, that something like this could be just around the corner, but to see it come into play and to be real and to walk through the streets of New York city, uh, which is practically a ghost town now, uh, is eerie. There's an eerie quality to this, um, but I, I'm trying to I'm trying to stay optimistic and to look at it as an opportunity as well. Things are going to change. I mean, there's going to be a huge political fallout from this over the coming year or two and and beyond. Um, and I I do kind of get excited because I I tend to think big picture as well, uh, not dissimilar to to what you were saying, although that was a thought that hadn't quite occurred to me yet. But I think uh, this is going to be one of those moments of life before and life after. And I think that there's a, a great deal of energy in those moments, um, you know, if you want to tap into it. Spot on, yeah. Yeah. And I think these practices that we're describing, whether it's the breathing or the, uh, you know, the DMT, the psychedelics uh, or the tank, probably give you a bit of an edge uh, over over someone who who never bothers to just pause and, and um, practice some sort of like aggressive mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, for people like you and me, we've seen we, way weirder than this at, you know, 1030 on our couch on a, you know, Friday night or something. That's like that. a good point. You know, like, yeah. this is like, uh, yeah, OK. <laughs> right. Like the little minor disruptions to the thing. The whole society is built in our cognition. Mm, you know, everything, yes. you know, that's why we can print two trillion dollars. 
<laughs> because it's just like, ah, right. you know, and, and as soon as people like sort of understand that there's going to be an alleviation of suffering from it, but how do you see this paradigm reprojecting itself? Yeah, that's a fun question. I appreciate you asking. I, I'm still parsing it. I'm still thinking through it. Uh, I don't want it to, to devolve into something political. Uh, and yet that's, that's kind of the level that I've been thinking at. I'm actually going to use this podcast episode as a, an opportunity to maybe reflect a little differently on it. Cool. Uh, cause it's very easy to get trapped in, in politics and to start screaming about neoliberalism <laughs> and how, you know, how silly right. it all is and how much nonsense it is and, uh, you know, all of this and that. But I think, yeah, I don't, the short answer is I don't really know. I think it's it's going to be worth sitting in it for a minute to think, what does this really do to the consciousness and the culture? Uh, I think one thing that's changed over the past 50 years in a huge way is the shift from uh, from rural and suburban to urban. And I think we're I think we might see a bit of a return. I think people are are probably going to look at the cities a little differently now. Um, I, I know a lot of people got out of New York if they could. Uh, and it, and it, it is a little tricky, you know, do you, do you want to be in New York city when this, during this, like, we're not, we're not necessarily thrilled to be here right now. Yeah. Uh, sure. yeah. I well, wouldn't be either to be honest. Yeah. It's a little, we're just kind of taking it day by day. I mean, and thankfully we're, we're up in the Heights, which is a little more, it is a bit more of a community feel and, uh, there's a, there's a little more space up here, but you know, look. Tom, I think what's going to happen is it's all going to shake out, and uh, I'm going to go to Minnesota. Maybe I'll have a float there, or maybe I'll maybe I'll fly out to Philly, and we can do a follow up uh, up episode around floating. You know, if you'd be down to do that sometime, you know, later. I would love yeah. to. Dude. Yeah. I would love to host you for a couple of days. Come oh, over that's... this summer, you know, at the end yeah. of the summer, something like that. And Jersey has some beautiful stuff to do around here. I'd show you around. It would be good. That's so generous. And again, yeah, I just love Philadelphia. So I, you know, you won't need to ask twice. If it's not this year, it'll be sometime next year. Uh, you know, we're, we're expecting, so there's a lot, there's a lot going on right yeah, now. But right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Like, um, when, when are you due? Uh, it'll be sometime in August. Yeah. What an so. interesting facet to add to this equation, you yeah. know, to, to have that, to have that coming into the world, that responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, you know, we're both storytellers and creative people. And so we're looking at each other and going, okay, well, we're going to have a story now. You got a story. For uh, sure. That's it. Well, so Tom, hit me again with your social media links uh, before we go here. Uh, yeah. So uh, on Twitter, it's Pnautic Express on Instagram, Floating McKenna. Um, and then float SNJ for all of the Facebook, IG, uh, you know, Twitter, blah, blah, blah for the business, you know, float SNJ. And, and is it float SNJ.com too? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Great website as well. That's what I do, uh, you know, in, in my day to day. And uh, is it, uh, I'm yeah. actually thinking about redesigning it cause I think it's complicated. Thank you so much for the, uh, compliment on that. But yeah. I, yeah. I kind of messed up. We should talk. I would love to. I would yeah. love to uh, chat with you about um, a refinement of that. Cool. Problem, yeah. You know, that Let's. Yeah. yeah that's so. That's my. That's my principal uh, gig. And our big client is the firefighters union in DC. So that's been, uh, that's been wild. It's the firefighters and EMT union. Oh man. Uh, that has been. It's been pretty pretty intense because their their communique are not uh, uh, light. Like there's, well, there's a lot, and especially around this. And those people are. I get to see that. You're seeing that. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I, we you know, we have weekly meetings with with our with our contact over there, and it's uh, it's been pretty intense. We're very proud of the work there. Uh, that and it also that also makes me really really mindful of how kind of ridiculous 
uh, I have been and I can be when I take my career too seriously. When I think about somebody who's between shifts right now as an EMT in LA or in New York, it's just, it really is humbling. Uh, and, and I really mean that it's just, these people are not working from home and I'm thinking, yeah, thanks for, you know, enabling the flow of communication between those people. Uh, you know, you're, you're probably literally saving, saving people's lives. I mean, you know, Hey, it's mostly it's, it's a partnership with them, but, uh, yeah, no, it's really, really a cool, cool client. And, um, yeah, so let's, we'll have a chat about that. I'll follow up with an email and, uh, I'll let you know when this goes out. I just want to give my little spiel here at the end. This is the get this, yeah, get this podcast, get this podcast.com. I'm Kevin Kautzman on Twitter. It's K-A-U-T-Z-M-A-N. And this podcast is going to be supported through donations. I think I set the the first subscription to like $2.50 a month, which is half a coffee. If you like independent media, you like independent podcasts, interviews with people who you might not otherwise hear from, really wide ranging. We talk about float tanks. We talk about psychedelics. We talk about... Uh, drawing Garfield every single day, which was a recent episode. Yeah, uh, and, so. you know, and it's 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 just great. And you know, e- even if you can't support monetarily, just go find it on social media. Uh, you know, reach out, uh, give it five stars on iTunes. Anything you can do to boost the show. I'm going to continue to to do these because uh, it's such a it's such a gift uh, to me to to have conversations like this that I wouldn't otherwise have. And um, Tom, yeah, let's definitely do another episode. Uh, except it's going to have to be in person, one way or another. All right. Kevin, thank you so much, man, for the invitation and for having me on. And it was such a pleasure to to talk to you in this format and get to know you better right. and really like, you know, solidify that understanding. I, I appreciate you, man. I've been following you for a while. So thanks for doing what you're doing. Yeah, likewise. All right, Tom. Tom Bezos, and thanks for coming on the show, Tom. All right. Thanks so much, Kevin. Take talk care, to you buddy. Thank you.